part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. You know, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Some of the, the children may have this sheet. And if you're looking for the sermon title, the sermon title is You Will Be My Witnesses. And this is from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So if you have that sheet and you want to fill in the blanks, the title of the sermon is You Will Be My Witnesses. And it's found in the New Testament in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And that way you can kind of follow along with us. But I'm going I'm to keep it very... Um, it was a quick sermon, but it's going to be even quicker because of some of the circumstances that we've had this morning. Uh, but I want to talk to you about, you know, missions and what it means to, to be a witness, called of God to be a witness. See, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. And we've been talking about that this race that God has put us on. That's the analogy that Paul used, that that life was a race. And we've been talking about how this race very much is Christ-likeness. It's not just to get to heaven. A lot of people say, okay, the race is... First one to heaven. Well, that's not really the race, guys. The race that he's talking about is Christ's likeness. And eventually we will, if you're a believer, if you put your trust into the work of Christ, and that alone, you, you will be in heaven. But the race that he's talking about is this race that we've been using that fancy word, sanctification, becoming more like Christ. But there's a danger in that. You might think, well, Bobby, that's a danger in becoming more like Christ? No. Danger in the process of so focusing on ourselves becoming more like Christ that we become so inward-minded that we forget that the call of God is to also be outward-minded. See, sometimes we can get so much in this Christian race and trying to mature and grow, and that's great. But true maturity in Jesus Christ is that we're actually going to follow what Christ said, and that is to go and to tell others. It's an amazing thing when you look at the Gospels. Any of the kids, since today's kind of our family day, anybody, any of the kids know all four Gospels? You can tell me the four Gospels. Just kind of raise your hand and I'll point to you. There you go. Man. What he said. Right there. Man, that was great. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And do you realize that every one of those Gospels, you know, written by men, inspired of God, listen to how they end? I'm not saying that it's the exact last verse. In Matthew it is. But it's always kind of in the closing notes. Look what it says in Matthew at the very close. And these are all, if you have the, uh, the red letter edition of the Bible, remember the red letter editions? What was in red letters? Jesus' words. So if you have one of those, you're going to find that every one of these are in red letters. Why? Because Jesus actually said these things. This wasn't just Matthew going, hey, this would be a great way to end it. These are actually the words of Christ. And listen to the call that is in these words. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We call that the Great Commission. Go. See, because again, what, are the, what is the temptation that we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks? The temptation that Satan will put before you guys is to not think of eternity, but think of only now. Hey, this is how I feel right this moment, so I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And and God is forever. His Word is always stretching out to have an eternal perspective. Well, in that same light, if we get so inwardly focused, isn't it easy just to get caught up in your own little world? I mean, how many of you have more than enough problems to deal with that it would be easy just to capture your whole might, your whole, you know, uh, uh, energy into your own problems? 
Anybody else? And so it's easy. And so Satan loves to kind of bring in there and say, man, just be captivated by your own needs. And yet the call of Christ is forever, just as we are to think of eternity, is to get this expanse view of the whole world in this call. How did Mark end? Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, who's the he? Jesus. And he says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We go on and we read what Luke says, Luke 24. 46 through 7, he writes, And he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins shall be reclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. In other words, what are we to proclaim? That Jesus came, he died, he rose again, and now tell the whole world about that. It's what we call the gospel. Our need, God's supply, and that we're to go out and to share this into all the world. Let's look at the last one there. John chapter 20, verse 21. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father sent me, even so, what? I'm sending you. Guys, temptation. Think about just the moment, not eternity. The temptation. Think about my own problems in my own little world. I got more than enough of them. But to stretch beyond that and think, man, there's a whole world out there of what we just sang about. To take light, the light of Christ, into the darkness of this world? And so this is the command of Christ. Anybody know what the last recorded words of Jesus... You know, last words are pretty famous. You know, this is what he said right before he passed away, or this is what, you know, he said in his last book, the last this, or whatever. Jesus, right before he ascends up to heaven, does anybody know where we would find that? Okay, we could find that. But actually, we're going to see that he said something after that. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We call it Acts because it was the Acts of the Apostles. This is how the new church started, okay? And look what happens. Uh, Jesus is about to ascend up to heaven, and he talks about a kingdom, and the disciples once again get it wrong. They said, oh, an earthly kingdom? He says, no, not an earthly kingdom. He's not talking about that. And look what he says. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Do you notice a pattern in all that? Christ over and over again, as recorded in the Gospels, says, go, go tell, be my witnesses, make disciples. Here, the last thing that he says before he goes up and the clouds kind of separate and he goes up into the clouds, he says, go be my witnesses. Guys, granted, we've got more than enough problems just to take care of ourselves. I guarantee you, your finances, your family situations, your sicknesses, your this, it's more than overwhelming. And we can fill this whole race that Paul was talking about just in our own little world. And yet that's not the call of Christ. Yes, to be Christ-like. But to be Christ-like is to do what Christ did. And what did he say? I came to seek and to serve those that are lost. He said, I have a purpose. He didn't come down here and say, man, how can I spend 30 plus years just kind of thinking about me? No, he came with a specific purpose of God to give his life as a ransom for us and for our sins. And in the same way, now, Christ says, as God has sent me and brought me to this, now I send you. It's easy to think in, because it's difficult when we're overwhelmed with life 
to think outwardly. And yet that's the call. And yet when we open up these words, we begin to see two things. And we're going to make these really quick, and then we're going to go home. And next week, when it's just all kind of the adults and teenagers, we're going to get more involved. How do we do this at Cornerstone? Okay? The first thing we see uh, is a strategy. In Acts chapter 1-8, we see a strategy. We see that he starts in Jerusalem, and he goes out from there. Why Jerusalem? Because that's kind of where they were. Okay, that was the center of kind of where Christ, uh, if you want to say the holy city for the Jewish people, he said, start here and go out from there. How many of you have ever thrown a rock in the pond? That's like one of the best things to do as a kid. You know, and how many of you, you know, your brother brings up a little rock like this and throws it in there and makes a splash, and then you've got to outdo him, so you go find this big rock like this big so you can throw it in there. Because there's something just kind of thrilling about watching that water kind of go all over the place. Well, I need about three volunteers. Okay, right there, Miss Odom, right here, Miss Davis, and right here, Mr. Jude, okay? Come right here. Once you, you can... Stand right here. I want to see if you have the ability to drop this. this, There's water in here, okay? And drop this rock into here without making a splash. Do you think you can do that? You think you can? Okay, I'm going to let you get. We're going to let girls go first. Plus, they're a lot prettier than you. So uh, we're just going to do that. And so you can, I want you to start up here, okay? And, And let everybody see. Can you drop it where it doesn't make a splash? Drop it real soft. It made a splash. Okay. Let's, uh, did it get you in the face? No. Okay. You want to try it one more time? And you can go even, you can't go all the way down, but you know, see if you can do it without a splash. <sighs> Come on. Miss Odom, I hope you're a little bit better than that. You get two chances. And you can even pick the little, smaller rock if you want the small rock. <sighs> Y'all aren't very good at this, are you? Okay. Come on, buddy. I still saw a splash. You tried really hard, but there was a little splash. It wasn't big, but you were not able to accomplish. Now, y'all can go sit down. I appreciate your help. This is a picture of the Christian life, guys. Biblically, this is a picture of the Christian life. The Bible says that when Christ comes here, you are raised now with Christ, okay? And as you're raised with Christ, guys, he raises you, and he says, okay, now I I want you to kind of make a splash in this world. And have you ever noticed when a, uh, what happens when a drop goes in, even a little drop, what does it begin to do? See, that's one of the things I loved about throwing rocks, especially big rocks, into the lake or the pond, is who can make the ripples go the farthest? And you would watch it, and it would go out, and, you know, it'd be like, you know, 100 yards that it would just kind of ripple. That's the Christian life. The Christian life, guys, is not... Okay, Jesus and I are going to get in this holy huddle and man, we're just going to close the doors and we're going to come in here and we're going to be really sanctified ourselves. It's not what Christ has called you to. Christ-likeness, true Christ-likeness in this race is having this ripple effect that when Christ calls you, there's not, you can't go into this world if you're a Christian, guys, and you're really living a Christian life, you can't make it in this world without making a splash. And God took the 11 remaining disciples after Judas was gone and and then he added some apostles and some other men. And you know what the Bible says about 
what God did with those men, that humble beginnings of this ragtag bunch of people that couldn't even keep it together. They were always finding themselves. It says that they turned the world upside down. Because they were great orators, they could speak. No. Because they were really smart guys and they went to Harvard and Yale. No. Because the gospel changed their life. Christ changed their life. And once Christ came in, I mean, even Peter, who was just wibbly-wobbly all over the place, until he saw the resurrected Christ, until he really saw the fullness of that, James, the brother of Christ, did not even believe that his brother was the, the Son of God. He said, I grew up with you. I, I slept in the room next to, to you. You're, you're not the Son of God until something happened. Jesus died, rose again. When he saw the resurrected body, he said, I believe. And for the rest of his life, James goes out. And yes, did James have problems? Yeah. Anybody remember what James is kind of famous for in church history, what they did to him? I mean, really a cruel thing. Yeah, they, they did stuff like that. You know, then you got people like John who, you know, that they did other really gross things to. I mean, some of the disciples boiled in oil. I mean, folks... The Christian life was not easy for them. It would have been easy for them to kind of be consumed with their own problems in their own situations. And yet what we see is the world was turned upside down. Why? Because of the gospel. It took them from their troubles and their comforts and it made them outward focused. So that when their life was over, they had made a splash. The ripple effect of their life had, had really begun to, uh, to change the world around them. How does he do it? There's a strategy there. He, he begins to talk about go first to Jerusalem. Then he talks about Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I, I'm not going to do it because, again, I want to condense time a little bit, but we're going to have the kids come up here and start to find some different places on the, on the map and the globe. The guys... Our Jerusalem is not just a place. When Jesus said that, so many times you'll hear, well, your Jerusalem is Jackson County... And your Judea is America, and Samaria is this, and we try to make it places. But do you know really what Jesus intended more than places was people. When he says Samarian, he wasn't just talking about the Samar- uh, He wasn't talking about the land of Samaria. You know who he was talking about? The Samaritans, a totally different culture. In other words, yes, we go to other people, but some of the other cultures, are there other cultures right in Jackson County? Yeah. So even though we don't have to go to Africa, we don't have to go to Australia, we don't have to go to other places in the world just to find the Sumerians. There's Sumerians in this context, Samaritans, right here in Jackson County, people that are just different culture. That's what Jesus was talking about. He he wasn't saying, okay, this is Jerusalem, now you've entered the mission field into Judea. Now you've entered into Samaria. He wasn't talking about lines in the sand that were the political lines of a state and a country. He was talking about people. And that's the, God, that's the call that God has placed upon us. He, he's given us a strategy really quick. He's made it really, really simple. He said, you will be what? You will be my witnesses. What, what is a witness? If you're called to be a witness in a courtroom, what would you have to do? Speak your testimony. Just tell the truth. And Q, if you had seen something happen in a school or you saw something and the principal called you in, 
and said, hey, just give me, be a witness, give the testimony, what did you see? What happened? All he's asked you to do is not to go memorize something. I mean, I've, I've done all the, the outreach programs, guys. I've learned all the different verses, and I'm not saying that's bad, but you know what God has really called us to do in this outward focus? It's not just to memorize these ten verses so that when we go up to somebody, they can say, oh, man, there's another person. Let me go hit this person with these five verses. Please do not hear that I'm against using Scripture and going out to witness to people. But guys, sometimes we can get so focused on a system, and the older ones will get this one. I don't know that the millennials will get this, but it will come off like an Amway presentation. Where all it seems like we're not interested in the person. We're, we're just interested in getting another notch on the belt. Yep, there's another one that prayed the prayer. That's what God has called us to. He's called us to people, not just to places. And when he says witnesses, all he's saying is tell the truth about what happened to you. And so I'm going to give you one more verse, then we're going to go. But this is, to me, a, a, a verse that I love about Witnessing, even though it's not in the context of witnessing, the original context of this in First Peter is when we're in times of suffering. And it's giving a witness in our midst of suffering. It really wasn't meant to be the evangelical portion of, okay, go out and do this. But I think it fits perfectly into what it means to truly be a witness. Look what it says, First Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Basically this. And we're working, we're at school, we're out on the playground, we're doing this, we're doing that, and we're bringing light in the world, we're making ripples because Christ has come into our lives. And somebody comes up, hey, hey John, I know y'all have had some family situations. You, you seem to, and that maybe not sell right through it, but you just seem that it didn't overwhelm you and, and just tear you apart. Well, why? Perfect opportunity at that point for us to say, well, I have Christ in my heart. Man, I've got this difficult medical situation. I've got this difficult thing. Hey, we're having some financial troubles. We're doing all these things, but here's what I, what I have in my heart. And you're giving that testimony of that hope in Christ that you have. Now, now, the one difference there is that people are coming to you. But I, I think that's how we should be living so much that really as light in the darkness, that it's not always us knocking on the door, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? But that people really would see the difference in our lives and they would come up and say, man, Bradley, how are you making it? I know that you've got this burden or you've got this difficulty. Why are you still smiling? And that verse there says that because of this hope that's in us, because Christ has come and he lives in us, and we're not overwhelmed by the world. And we have this foundation for our hope. That we can just say, hey man, I am not perfect. I struggle. Man, the other night, I cried myself to sleep. But here, I, this I know. That Jesus loves me. And that Jesus has provided a foundation. And he is a rock and a fortress. And I'm going to make it through. And that we just begin to understand that our greatest witnesses... It's not some plan, five points to this, but it's just going out there, living the Christian life, fully on fire of Christ, making ripples in the world that God has us, and going out there and sharing the love of Christ. Now, with that comes a lot of uh, visible ways to do that. Some 
organizational ways, if you want to say, to do that. And next week, we're going to talk about that. How do we involve things like ministries like ISERV? How do we involve ministries like disaster relief? If you didn't notice, down in South Georgia, several communities down there in the Albany area and those, just devastated by the tornadoes and different things last week. How do you take those opportunities, go love on those people, and share with them the hope of Christ in the midst of their tragedy, in the midst of, of their darkness? We're going to talk next week about how do we strategically do that? What are some of the things that we do at Cornerstone so that we truly are taking the hope of the gospel beyond these four walls and out into the world? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you. And Father, I thank you that um, even though it would be so easy to be consumed with ourselves, so easy, Father, to be overwhelmed with our own difficulties, our own challenge of running this race that, Father, you have called us to, to go outward, to think outwardly, and, Father, to, to, to follow the path that Christ, you sent him on, Father. And so, Father, this morning we simply come and we say, will you give us that heart? Father, as much as we have difficulty in our life, will you give us a heart that truly has that ripple effect, that the love of Christ, the peace of Christ, the light of Christ is shared in the hope, first in Jackson County, first right here in our family, and, Father, that we would be able to take it into the uttermost parts of the world. We love you. That somewhere along the way, somebody, whether it's a family member, a friend, a pastor, somebody told us about Jesus. And Father, I thank you for that one in my life, my uncle, that shared with me the hope of the gospel and changed my life forever. In the same way that you sent him to me, Father, will you send me so that we would go and share the light and the love of Christ everywhere we go. We love you and we thank you. And we sing this praise song to you as we close, Father. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.